Welcome to Butterflies and Bravery, a podcast hosted by Jemima and Whisper. We are best friends who have been best friends since we are teenagers. And we welcome you to this podcast where we are creating a platform for survivor voices and stories of success. We will interview and you'll be able to meet different survivors from many walks of life that have overcome phenomenal setbacks and difficulties and come out on the other side victorious and thriving. We will get to hear from each one of them about how they did that and what success means to them. We're going to have lots of conversations that are going to be real and raw. We won't hold anything back. We're not shy about talking about different things. We hope that you will join us as we go along for this ride. One of the reasons why this matters to us and why we wanted to create something that could be a platform for survivor voices and defining what success means to us is because we are both survivors ourselves. You know, personal survival stories, both born into, raised in, and finally escaped a cult, a pretty bad one, most notoriously known as the Children of God. Jemima and I have both been in a couple of the many documentaries that have been made about them. We definitely have some stories to tell. And of course, although a person's past does not define them, and we are absolute testaments to that, having some introduction into our past will give you a context behind some of the crazy, strange stories you'll hear from us. Right. Uh, Starting with our names. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We were born in the hippie era, the flower power, <laughs> and our mothers came up with some really interesting names, Whisper Wind and yes. Jemima Lamb, Lamb like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Whisper, how did you get your name? My mother actually, at different times when I ask her, it depends on what's going on, but, you know, at some times she's told me that she chose this name because... She thought it was beautiful. And other times she's told me she can't remember why she named me Whisper. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt that it was a descriptive name. I'm pretty sure that as a baby, I was not doing any whispering. But it's definitely a name that has, through the years, created many different conversations. The most common question people ask me, is that your real name? And I'm like, yes, it's on my birth certificate given to me at birth when I was younger, when I was like around five and six, I remember very clearly believing that I was Native American because of my name. I was like, that's a Native American name. So obviously I'm Native American. Oh my. (laughs) Around that period of time, I got very obsessed with, um, you know, beading and moccasins. And I was like, it's my heritage. Oh, my gosh. Obviously, as a child, we have no concept of things like bloodlines or where people come from. But I thought that that name, Whisper Wind, it sounded, you know, dancing with wolves, Whisper Wind. Exactly. <laughs> it's around the same thing. I do get questioned many times. It's it's often a con- uh, source of confused questions. But it is unique. And I do like it for that reason. I've never met another Whisper. No, I have not, except at one point in my life, I met someone she was quite a lot younger than me and her parents had known my parents and named her whisper after I got named whisper. So there's actually someone named after me. I think that's really awesome. Um, That's the only other whisper I've ever met. Oh, 
I've heard of people naming their dogs and their horses that and <laughs> oh my. <laughs> All right, now tell us about Jemima, because that's also an uncommon name, I would say, right? Yes. <laughs> it's funny because I am an aunt and I do make some great syrup. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever people are like, how do you pronounce that? I'm like, Jemima, you know, like the pancakes. That usually <laughs> produces a laugh. My mother was living in Idaho with my father pregnant with me. One day, a party bus of hippies came through. They were singing songs, playing their guitars, and trying to convert everybody to come and join them, forsake all, and follow Jesus. (laughs) For some reason, my mom thought, wow, that is a great idea. I am so doing that. Obviously. (laughs) So she said to my dad, hey, you want to go join this party bus of hippies, leave our entire lives and go serve the Lord? And he's like, "Um, no, no, thank you. So she literally just left that night. They went and camped at a place nearby. And my dad later told me that he went out to their campsite with a rifle and he was going to shoot every single one of them dead and take her back. But then he did it. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, yes, no. seriously. I know. I didn't even know that until recently. He told me. Yeah. Oh, no. He said he sat up on the rock and looked at the tents, and then he prayed, and God told him, don't do it. So he went home. Oh, jeez. Almost like uh, a mini hostage situation. <laughs> right? Yeah. My mother joined a colony in Seattle, do you know why they called them colonies? And that was kind of a thing in the early days of the children of God, wasn't it? Yes, it was what would correctly be called a commune. They were calling them colonies, the different places where people were living. And we were having this discussion not long ago because we were like, why were they called colonies? We looked up the definition of colony. And it was very interesting because the definition for colony is a country or an area that's under the political control of another country or occupied by settlers from that country or a group of people of one nationality or ethnic group that's living in a foreign city or country. But how did that apply to the children of God, to the cult? We figured that it probably is because they definitely believed that they were not of this world. There's that that Bible verse that says you are in the world, but not of the world. And I think they believed that they were just transitional settlers (laughs) on this earth that they're not from. So therefore, they are a colony. That's the only thing that we could figure out. And then as time went on, they dropped the colony portion of it, the, the colony word, and they just called them homes. But the accurate description were communes because it was not just a home of one family. It was a home of multiple families. Yes, right. (laughs) At some point, uh, Jemima and I, we lived in a place. They called it a school, a training center. But we had at one point 250 people there, right? Oh, yeah. You could go a whole week and not see somebody and be like, oh, (laughs) I haven't seen you for a while. (laughs) And they'd be like, yeah, I was gone over to Malaysia or whatever. (laughs) There were so many people you you couldn't even really tell who was all there at one time or another. Absolutely. So my mom joined the Seattle Widows Colony. I think that's where they put all the single moms that were having babies and stuff. Well, there was another lady there who had recently given birth to a boy. And 
she had always wanted to have a daughter named Jemima. My mother graciously said, oh, you can name my daughter Jemima. <laughs> yeah, so she did. I think the lamb part she came up with herself, and I'm not exactly sure why. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's such a crazy story. So we both grew up in the Children of God. Uh, we were both born in it as well, right? Yes. Born and raised in a cult is our personal history. Tell us a little bit about your life growing up. Being born into a cult, obviously, was a very different lifestyle than most people can experience or, or even know about or hear about. But in the course of my life, by the time I was 22, I had lived in 14 countries. Wow. I've actually never counted how many cities I've lived in. I mean, we moved regularly and constantly uh, for many reasons. None of them actually very valid. <laughs> we constantly moved from the time I was 12 and 13. I was no longer living with my family and we continued moving from place to place. I am the oldest of 11 children. So wow, we, 11. I, I, yeah, the very big family. That was kind of connected partially to the, the children of God's beliefs that any pregnancy was a gift of God and birth control was not allowed and stuff like that. When you don't have birth control and you don't watch TV, like, you know, you're gonna. <laughs> that's that's Lots the result. Lots of time for humping. Lots of time. <laughs> so yeah, I, I have many brothers and sisters that now they're all grown and out, escaped from the group. Thankfully, I'm close to them. But it is interesting because I, I was older when I started to get to know them. So that's kind of been an interesting part of my life as well. I myself, I was essentially uh, put together with a husband. Like arranged marriage? That's the closest explanation of what, what they did. Because living in the cult, when you were told to do something, it, it was presented as a suggestion, but it was not a suggestion. It was no. like, this is what you should do. And they kind of gave the appearance of giving you a choice. But if you right. chose something that went opposite what they wanted you to do, all hell broke loose. It was almost like a pressured into marriage type of a thing. And within the first month of us being together, I was pregnant. Weren't you very young also? Very young, yeah. We were put together when I was 18 and he was 15. Wow. And yeah, we were put together in the same place, in the same home, but we didn't get married and start, you know, <laughs> we didn't have any physical relationship until he was 17. And, uh, I was 20. He was 18. I was 20 when we had our first kid. And after that, I had three more. So I have four kids. They're all grown now. My youngest is 20. And my oldest is 26. So yes, they're very close in age. Um, mm -hmm. For the last 20 years, they've been the reason that I've gone off. The reason behind every choice and every decision that I've ever made <laughs> yeah. has been to give them a life that I didn't have and create a place of freedom for them that I was not allowed. And I'm, I'm so proud of them. And I feel that I'm so blessed with having those kids and the relationship that we have now. They're a really big part of my life and we're, we're very close, the five of us. That's definitely one of the biggest joys of my life is my kids and, and being young still. Well, they're now adults. It's like our relationship shifts between parent and friend. So that's also really special. 
since I came to the United States for the first time when I was 21. Where were you born? In New York. I was born in the U.S., but before I was a year old, we were over in Europe. So oh, okay. my parents moved to Europe long before I could even walk. So <laughs> I make a joke. I said, I flew before I walked. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, me too. That's funny. True story. Yeah, true story. I I flew before I could walk. Um, Once I came back here to the United States, I was still trapped, (laughs) still trapped in Alton. We were moved around many times. So I actually lived in like about seven different states in the U.S. And when we finally were able to escape the cult, we landed in New York. We were there for a couple of years and then came over to California due to a job offer. So I've been in California now these last 14 or 15 years. Yeah. And I live in the San Diego area. The weather is awesome. It's very expensive weather, but it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I've done a lot of different things from at one point, I was a director of, of business development and marketing for a company. And then lots of different things happened in my life. And I ended up shifting towards doing a lot of, you know, work with counseling and with, with LGBTQ youth. I opened my home and took in about five, yes, five homeless trans kids. Their parents had kicked them out. They were living on the street. So I took them in. Wow. <laughs> yeah. At one point I had eight kids in oh. the house in a three bedroom house. That's awesome. Yeah. We were hanging them in the closets and stuff. Those ki- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but those kids went on. They all finished their education and they went on to get excellent jobs and get a place to live. That was such a rewarding thing uh, for yeah. to be able to do. And that really ignited my desire to work with other people and to help inspire them and coach and counsel. And I did a lot of work in the LGBTQ center, uh, the LGBTQ world where I live. And that actually made me want to enroll in college and study psychology. Then after that, I shifted out of that area. I ended up getting involved with a couple of different organizations that work with survivors of human trafficking. Oh, wow. Yes. And then I became a coach. I feel so honored that I am able to spend so much of my time working with and and being surrounded by these amazing survivors, these women who have overcome insurmountable obstacles and came out shining on the other side. I mean, they're queens, they're goddesses that have just come into their own power and allowed their setbacks to actually make them even stronger. And that's one of the reasons why Jemima and I really wanted to create this podcast because I'm inspired every single day by the people and the women that I meet. And I feel complete calling. Other people need to hear these stories. Other people need to meet these amazing survivors. And we need to talk about their success and the way that they are thriving today. There's a misconception around survivors of of trauma that they're broken or that there's something wrong with them or that they're less than in some way. When in actuality, these are people, these are women that are more than in many cases. Absolutely. They're, they're all the more powerful because of what they've overcome, what they've come into where they are today. So let's meet these people. Let's hear their stories. And that's what this podcast is going to all be about.
So exciting. Yes, that's a little bit about me. And now now we get to hear about you, <laughs> Miss Jemima. <laughs> yes. I also was a traveler. I've been to <laughs> 21 different countries, a lot of them before I turned 18. I left home when I was 12 years old. I was initially sent to Mexico for a teen training camp. From there, I went to Japan, the Philippines, Thailand, several other countries that had big schools, big cult schools, and big teen programs. I participated in a lot of the cults experiments on the teenagers, I guess. Is that what you would probably call it? Yeah. We were yeah. even called experimental adults <laughs> we, for a long right. time. That's yeah. Right. That was like literally our name, EAs, experimental adults. <laughs> oh. I left the cult when I was 27 years old. I got my driver's license and my first job when I was 27. I had lived in Russia for several years before leaving the cult and we started a charity that's still operating there. It's called Love's Bridge. We opened a center for homeless children to be able to get off the streets and get cleaned up and go to school. It's totally run by Russian nationals now. After returning here, I was a single mother of one child. I worked various jobs when I first left the cult. I was kind of like I didn't really know what to do. I felt very lost. But at the same time, I had a kid. I had to figure out how to survive. I couldn't just go and run around. So I got an apartment and got a car and, you know, did all the regular stuff. (laughs) And then I met a man and got married. My life after leaving the cult has not been very easy. (laughs) No. No, it has not. (laughs) Neither of ours has. Yeah, that's an understatement. (laughs) We suffered a lot. It's taken a lot to get us to this point where we are today. I had some major drug addictions after leaving. I tried to self-medicate and find some peace and happiness inside. But I floundered for a long time. Understandably. When you grow up and are raised in an environment that's so totally different than anything else, it's very difficult to readjust and sort of start your life all over. It's like if somebody came to you today and said, hey, guess what? Everything you've ever known is a total and complete lie. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, whoa, wait, what? It's almost like we lived on a different planet. We weren't part of the world. We weren't allowed to participate in any sort of worldly activities or anything that would take us away from God and from the the children of God, the cult, the family. So after leaving, trying to sort of find yourself and your identity and who you are, it's not easy. It takes a lot of effort and suffering. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because not only are you trying to adjust to a world that you don't know, but you're doing so while also breaking the abuse cycles that you were raised in. And that's a a lot of really powerful healing and growth that you have to go through. And And that's not something you can go through slowly you got power through that shit yeah that's why we called this podcast butterflies and bravery because we identify with butterflies and the whole coming out of the chrysalis and it takes effort it takes a long time if you cut open the chrysalis the butterfly won't form it It has to go through all of those difficulties in order to become the butterfly. I currently live in Idaho. I have been married for 15 years now. My husband has grown and changed a lot with me. We had a lot of very difficult things in our marriage that could have broken us apart, but We changed and grew together, and he's become a really good support for me most of the time. Yeah, Yeah, he's your biggest fan, aside from me. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's been an amazing journey. And through all of that, everything we've both been through and all those years and the moves and the kids and marriages and the divorces, we have stayed the very best of friends. We say we're best friends, but we're soul sisters. We are inseparable. We're yeah. in step with each other at all the time. Yeah. And yeah, what it's been like 30, I think it's 33 years now that we've yeah. been, <laughs> that we've been best friends. So I was telling Jemima the other day that I don't think that I would have gone through what I got through and I wouldn't be here where I am today. I wouldn't be the survivor I am. I wouldn't be the thriver that I am if it wasn't for for her in my corner. And I think that's, that's a gift that somehow, for some reason, the universe gave us. And I will never stop being grateful for that. I'm your muse. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We have so many stories of things that uh, we've done together as friends and you, you throw in the strange, unusual world of be- growing up in a cult as cool. best friends. Yeah, we have we have some pretty crazy stories. So we're hoping that as we go through these podcasts that we'll get to tell you some of those stories as well of, of us and our our friendship and the craziness that we've faced. Happy stories, sad stories. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We got them all. We got them all. We do. Yeah. That's been us so far. I don't picture us ever not being the very best friends that we are. (laughs) No, please don't take that away from me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I don't think I could survive. No. No. We're in it for keeps. (laughs) Yep. You're my other half. Uh, Yeah. And, and the people that we've been with are different significant others at different times. I mean, with you, it's mainly been your husband, but for me, I've had a few different relationships and they know your husband knows everyone Mm -hmm. that's ever been in my life knows. I'm like, Jemima's first. You're second. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. 
I told my husband that straight away before we got married. I was like, okay, well, if you want to marry me, there's a few things you need to know. Whispers I'm, coming along. Yeah. I literally said it's a package deal. <laughs> I, that's what I told one of my relationships too, because they had issues with jealousy already. And since they were facing some jealousy issues, uh, and I said to them, don't give me an ultimatum between you and Jemima because you will lose. Yeah. <laughs> if you give me that ultimatum, you will lose. Like I'm telling you, so don't try it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess on some level it's probably unfair to the, for the people in our lives. You know, what we have is something so special. It's a relationship that's actually hard to describe. Yeah. And we'll have time. We won't speak to each other for sometimes even months. And you pick up the phone or you reconnect and it's like not even a minute has passed. Everything that happens to us, everything that we've been through, like that's something that constantly uh, we're connected through. Yeah, for sure. Over the years, dozens upon dozens of times, we will get ourselves into a conversation with each other and start telling a story of what's been going on in our lives and to find out that the other one is having the same exact story going on. Yes. <laughs> Just constantly. So there's definitely a very deep connection there. We even have a couple of stories. Of, we, have a, we have an astral projection story. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Terrifying teenage tales from time. Whoa. One night when I was first pregnant, I actually uh, had a life after death experience. And I found out a couple weeks later through a letter. At that time, we weren't allowed to communicate by phone. We could only communicate by letters. And it was handwritten letters back before the email days. Yep. Snail mail. So so a couple weeks after I got out of the hospital in my life after death experience, Jemima had written me when I had my incident the morning after. And she told me this whole thing about how I'd come to her during the night and told her what I tell you that I was that, really sick, but that I was going to be okay. Something like that. Right. Yes. Yes. Because we had been given a prayer request for you. Like all the homes in Thailand were praying for you because you were so sick. And then I had the dream that night. I was standing at the top of the stairs in the house that I was living in. And it was very real. I had the exact picture, the way that it actually was. And then you came up the stairs to me and said, I've been in the hospital. I almost died, but I'm okay now. Yeah. You didn't even know that I was in the hospital. No, you didn't no, know, no, no. You didn't know that I was in the hospital. Yeah. No. And I, and then you were like, tell everyone that I, thank you for praying for me, but I'm okay now. So <laughs> the next morning I woke up, I was all excited. I'm like, you guys, you guys, you guys, Whisper came to me in a dream and told me that she's okay now. And they're all like, well, that's nice, but we still need to pray for her. <laughs> they're all and like, I'm whatever. Like, no, crazy woman. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm telling you, she's fine. Listen to me. And they're like, no, 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 we're not going to listen to you. You don't know what you're talking about. Sure enough. That was the day that she was released from the hospital. Yeah. I thought that was crazy. Oh, that was really crazy because the life after death experience that I had was just so profound. I, it shifted a, a lot of my life at that point. I was like, Did you oh. see the whole light and all that, you know, too? There wasn't light. It's a little bit hard to explain because there was everything and there was nothing. There was no corporeal 
image. It wasn't like there was a color. All I just felt was expansiveness. Space that went on forever, kind of. Right. But I could feel everybody. I could feel every single person that I knew. Like, I could just feel the presence of all these people. I was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is so peaceful. I'm I'm dying, and this is the most amazing thing. (laughs) I was like, I'm ready. But then I, I felt my son. And that's when I knew I had a boy. And I was like, wait a second, I've, I've got this little light and I need to give my life to him. Wow. And then I guess I came back. I had flatlined or whatever. <laughs> my mind was spinning. It was a very profound experience. I think it gave me a really powerful understanding of, of the connectivity of our energies and the love and people's soul. And people's energy and that connectivity because I felt it all. I felt it all at that moment. I don't remember going and talking to you, but obviously I did because there was no other way you would have known that I was in the hospital. And there was no other way that you would have known that it had gotten that serious. It actually like actually had to be revived. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So, so that was crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, we have lots, lots of stories. <laughs> Lots probably, of crazy stories. That's probably our big one. Because <laughs> I don't know. The swinger parties were pretty interesting. <laughs> oh, my. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> True. Those were awesome. No, but I mean, stories about our connectivity as friends. Like, that was probably our, our biggest energetic story. Definitely not our craziest story. Yeah, we have no. been not no. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, there's so many of those, man. We're gonna keep these guys entertained for a while. Definitely, definitely <laughs> keep coming back because not only will you get to meet these amazing, powerful human beings that are so resilient and strong and triumphant, but you'll also probably get to hear some pretty crazy stories. Not just them, but us too. <laughs> we have yeah. we have quite a few in our back pocket that we'll be you know, talking about as the episodes go on. Yep, you might laugh, you might cry, you might get angry. <laughs> it's gonna be a wild ride, that's for sure. Definitely. Um, in our next podcast, we're gonna be explaining a little bit more about our our personal journeys, my meth addictions and pill addictions and oh geez all of those terrible addictions <laughs> <laughs> that you no longer have so that's the the real story for the next couple podcasts we're going to be interviewing each other and hearing each other's stories of success and triumph and resilience and then after that we've got, got a long list of amazing yeah. group of people Yes, we have a great lineup. We come back. Um, Hopefully you will listen and enjoy these podcasts and the stories will inspire you and encourage you. Just honoring the resilience of the human spirit because we all have that within us. No matter what life throws at us, there's always the sun that comes up the next morning, no matter how dark your, your night gets, the sun always rises. And like when we can hear these stories and we can hear what other people have been through and what other people have overcome, it gives us the inspiration and the, and the courage to know that we have that within us as well. And Absolutely. that's really what we hope this uh, podcast will give to 
people that listen to it. It is like a hell yeah. <laughs> we're all in this together and we're all going to get through this together. That's really the power of, of what a survivor is. Come back and hear more. We're looking forward to getting to meet all our amazing guests and hopefully just have fun along the way. Like we said earlier, you know, we're going to keep it as real because there's no point in sugarcoating stuff that goes down. This is real life. This is real world. And we're not here to make something look pretty. We're here to make something be truthful and stay in our own truth and our own authenticity. And that's where our strength comes from. Absolutely. So raw and real. And raunchy. <laughs> and sensational. <laughs> these, these are the stories. Right? Yes. The, the survivor sagas. The survivor sagas. <laughs> oh, and what about our survivor summit? Yes. Oh, that is another thing that will be happening. You will be able to find the information on both Eventbrite and Facebook, but we are going to be having a seven-day survivors summit it's going to be similar to what the podcast is going to be about but we're going to be interviewing and meeting different survivors that have these amazing stories and uh, it's completely free to as many people that want to join and we're going to be having some amazing discussions we're going to also talk about self-love and the peace that that brings you know your own healing and what we have to do to honor that in ourselves and grow that peace in ourselves, that self-love and that self-acknowledgement of, of who we are. So that's what the Survivor Summit is going to be about. Uh, check it out on both Eventbrite and in uh, Facebook events. Wow, that is so exciting. I can't Absolutely. wait. <laughs> yes. It's beautiful to see the resilience of the human spirit. You know, like if you get a cut, your body heals yourself. We can learn to heal ourselves. Absolutely. We're here to tell you that it is possible, no matter how much you've gone through or how many things life has thrown at you, you can recover. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can survive and you can thrive. <laughs> yeah, some of our guests that are going to be at the Survivor Summit, um, we have a woman who uh, lost a daughter to an overdose and oh, wow. the ways that that changed her life and the things that she's done since then. Her, her story is beyond belief. It's amazing. We're going to meet a woman who was trafficked across the border as a child. Sex oh, wow. No way. And yeah, she, and uh, now she's gone um, to become a powerhouse in academia and create programs for you know, survivors coming out of the trafficking industry, which is a really big deal, both labor trafficking and sex trafficking. That it's is a, incredible. It's a huge problem. She's done these amazing things. And so we're going to hear from her. So those are just a few of the, the speakers. You know, we have a few more to confirm. One of them is a, is a woman that survived breast cancer and also domestic violence. Um, wow. And a couple of different people that also grew up in the same cult as us and what they did to get out and where they are today. Just absolutely phenomenal people. You don't want to miss hearing these stories and meeting these these amazing powerhouses. It's not to be missed. So definitely look us up on Eventbrite and Facebook 
events. It's called Survivor Summit. It won't be on the weekends, but it will be during the weekday. Seven Days Summit. Nice. That is so exciting. I can't wait. Very excited to to have you all join us for that. Absolutely. A lot of these warrior survivor women are going to be telling their stories for the first time ever. These are not stories you've heard a hundred times in the media, on the news, in magazines. A lot of these women have never come before with their stories before, but they're ready now. They're ready to tell you about the transformations that have happened in their life and how they happen and why they happen and what they did for them to happen. And it's pretty exciting stuff. You can go to butterfliesandbravery.com and check out who will be on our upcoming podcasts, who our guests will be, all that kind of fun stuff. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope that you will join us again in the future. Stay brave, and remember, every butterfly was once a caterpillar. Thank you, everyone. Come back for our next episode. Bye.